I needed to know why I survived. There was so many reasons why you don't survive, right? Even in like in our community or great, greater Vancouver in the last week, um, a plane flipped in a river, which was exactly what happened to me. And they, ha they still haven't found them, right? And, and mine happened just as the sun was going down. So it was black. So we were basically, we disappeared from the earth. Screaming Chewy Show, your source of entertainment and overall fuckery. And it starts now. everyone welcome back to another exciting episode of the screaming chewy show and today i have a very special guest very um very interesting um crazy life story and uh such a motivational you know individual and um i'd like to welcome adele anderson hey adele how you doing i'm doing great thank you for having me on chewy yeah thank you for coming on and, so uh, i'm i'm just here to share so you just ask me or lead me down the garden path i'm gonna go there yeah go ahead and tell me about yourself tell me what you do and uh, what 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 inspires you yeah i'm i'm a very passionate person i i'm really involved in mind science i love self-awareness uh self uh, improvement uh, mind mastery really involved in anything neuroscience my my background is in mind-body medicine for 28 years, and um, in the last seven years, I've become an NLP trainer, so neuro-linguistics programming, learning how to reprogram that incredible mind. And wow. I just love every aspect of being able to show people and make changes in their lives so that they can pursue their dreams or just feel more freedom in their lives. Man, I love it. You, so you help a lot of people out. Well, I hope to. Yeah. I mean, I really am driven to help as many people as I can. I work both individually, but I also work in with groups. So whether it's training in an HR department or, you know, lots of um, the tourism industry, that sort of thing. But and, and through COVID, it's been a lot of... Uh, teaching people how to cope with their stress levels. And, and that's been um, very, very helpful too, to be able to just bring insight into how we can immediately reduce that uh, critter brain and bring us back into uh, self-management. I love that. that that's, that's a very amazing thing you're doing right there because, um, because of COVID, you know, stress levels are going up, suicide is going up, you know, and uh, I appreciate what you're doing. 
Mm, thank you. Yeah, it's been a really interesting time because people are already at a, a level. You know, if we think of stress as being a ladder that's sort of, you know, sitting on the side of your house and imagine that you're always stressed. And so, you know, you're up halfway up the ladder and then something else comes into our environment like COVID that's really stressful and that shoots you to the top and then you realize that you have no more coping mechanism. And this is when we get sick. Because our immune systems, you know, work well when we are calm. Everything works well when we're calm. But when we're stressed, we're really in that fright or flight response. And that gives very little access to our, our immune response, to digestion, to, uh, you know, really good choice making. So there's a lot of things that struggle when people are in a stressed situation. And then, of course, you get adrenal fatigue and the whole, that whole aspect. So there's a whole ball of wax that goes with it and being able to naturally bring people back into a state of feeling calm and at ease is something that I enjoy doing and it, and it actually can be done quite simply. And I could get into some of that stuff if, if you're oh, wanting yeah. to go there. I'd love okay. to hear that. Yeah. So when we're in our emotional brain, we're usually running a pattern of behavior at 140,000 miles per hour. So that's that fast and furious brain that's amazing, downloads information, like I said, at 140,000 miles per hour, 40,000 wow. bytes of information per second. So everything that we've seen, heard, felt, kinesthetically, emotionally, tasted, has been downloaded into our brain from the moment we become conscious, right? So a huge amount of information inside of our brain. But it also has that incredible speed. And of course, when we're talking about being in the flight or fright response, that's even the more, you know, more ancient brain, that's the reptilian brain. And that really is about survival, safety, survival and security. So when we are in a stress state, our brain doesn't recognize the difference between, oh, I see a spider on the floor over there, or, you know, I feel someone coming off of a side road and they're going to hit my car or I'm just sitting in my office feeling stressed, right? The brain doesn't recognize the difference in all that kind of stuff. So what we have to do is we just have to give these micro changes. So one of the quickest ways that we can learn to switch which brain we're in is by using a cognitive function. So I, I liken it to like learning to drive a standard car. Like you're either in first or you're in second. There's no difference, right? It's either I black like or white. That. Yeah. So if you're in first gear in the reptilian brain, you really want to get into the neocortex. And how you do that is you do a cognitive function. So something that you learned. So when you were little, they went nose, ears, eyebrow, hair. So we learn to identify things. We learn to write things. And these are simple cognitive functions. So we can do something called a fire drill or five, four, three, two, one. So five things that you see right now in front of you, four things that you can feel kinesthetically on the outside of your body. So pressure points, clothing, your earphones, your t-shirt, your the temperature, pressure of where you're sitting on a chair, anything like that. Um, three things that you can hear, so noise close by or, or far away, um, two things that you can smell, and one thing that you can taste. And just by doing that simple little fire drill, you can bring yourself from this reptilian brain 
through the, the um, subconscious brain and bring you right back into your power. And so these are real good exercises for people to say, when I feel a certain way, what do I do? I say to my grandkids, when you feel bad inside of your body, what do we do? We sing a song. So we recall a song that we've memorized. So kids, you know, like Baba, Black Sheep, whatever it might be. <laughs> but it immediately brings them in. And what we're doing is we're setting up a, a neural pathway that says, when I feel this way, this is the answer, rather than taking the Twinkie. <laughs> I like it. Or going to take a cigarette or have a glass of wine, because that's the pathway, right? So we're choosing a new, more powerful pathway that keeps us in our power, but also keeps us in a dynamic process. We're making good choices in life, where we're in, co in control of the processes and our own destiny. Otherwise, we're just um, living by default, really. It's like, who's driving the car when you don't remember how you got home, right? You're right. People, yeah. Most people are in autopilot kind of, right? Yeah, exactly. And we can be in autopilot like 95% of our day. So think about that. For all you entrepreneurs out there who want to achieve stuff, right? We got to have the plan. We got to be on the plan. And this is kind of like that, is that we keep the, these structures, we keep these ways of keeping ourselves conscious so that we're moving towards the goals that we want and achieving, you know, the dream, cre creating the reality out of that dream that we want. Wow. We're not doing it with running patterns of behavior. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. And you're totally right. I mean, sometimes I'd be driving and then I'm at the store and I'm like, how did I get here? Exactly. <laughs> we all do it. You know, it's, um, we enter that that uh, theta brainwave whenever we are, you know, rising out of sleep or moving into sleep. So it's a really receptive brainwave for um, learning and bringing new, new ideas into our brain. But also, you know, it, it is that you're not quite asleep. So that if a car does shoot out of the side, you're able to snap back into your, you know, proper thinking right away. But, but think of um, the difference in pur purposefulness right? When we're just allowing our brain to surf, <laughs> surf the net. <laughs> when we really want to be, you know, if we're, if we're traveling through Europe, we want to be on a certain highway, you know, taking a certain exit and doing that purposefully rather than just, you know. Just coast. Coasting. <laughs> go, you know, maybe I'll get there. <laughs> maybe I won't. I can sleep on the side of the road. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Akuna Matata. Yeah, exactly. Wow. Well, it's kind of fun. So, um, and that was the beta uh, mindset? Well, um, you know, theta. Theta is the brainwave that's really receptive. And we use that in um, meditation, in when we're doing a subconscious process like visualization, um, you can do it for hypnosis. We really are in control, but we're just in that more softer brainwave. It's, um, you can get there quite easily by doing five, five, seven breathing. So we trick our brain. That's another way to, you know, to trick our brain into not being stressed because you can't run a, a you know, a hundred yard dash if you're 
taking five seconds to inhale, holding your breath for five seconds and exhaling for seven seconds. So five, five, seven breathing is another effective way for us to trick our brain into feeling like, oh, I must be laying on a beach in Hawaii because I'm just so relaxed. Because <laughs> right? if we're running, of course, you're knowing we're like, <laughs> right? So um, by slowing down our breath and, and going into five, five, seven breathing, and then focusing our attention somewhere, then we can get into this theta brainwave, but we can also trick our mind into just feeling like we're, you know, having, having the most relaxing day out there. So another little wow. trick. Wow. That's amazing. Just something simple like that. So do- simple, right? doesn't have to be complicated. I say to people all the time, human beings were not meant to live in emotional pain and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be hard. Like for example, um, with NLP, we go through what I call the, do- the back door of your mind. <laughs> it's like <laughs> the back door of your house. When, when we have emotional baggage and we all have it, right? We, we, we got wounded at some point in our life and it sets us up, but also it creates um, the number one reasons why we fail to, to achieve our dreams is because of our self-limiting beliefs. So these beliefs are just, you know, they're unintentional. Your brain didn't mean to do that to you, but it's, it's kind of like, think of a magnet. It's like a negative charge that's stuck to this memory. And it's, it's like a little magnet that's not disconnected yet. But what we realize now is that every emotion, so, um, you know, sadness, how generic is that? That's the, um, how are you? I'm fine. Well, nobody's fine. <laughs> Let's face it, nobody's fine. That's true. <laughs> so, so we say, um, you know, every emotion is connected to physiology. So that physiology can be heart rate, it can be respiration, it can be body temperature. So if those two things have to be connected, because in order to get to C, A and B, A, B, C. So if those things are connected and they create a match, what happens if we change one component of it? then it can no longer be linked in the same way in our brain. So what we do is I can refocus the brain by doing a funny little game, which is a dual processor. So if you can imagine a flip chart that has three words on it, red, green, and blue. And each one of those words is repeated randomly, like you read a book, 72 times. But Red might be colored green, and green might be colored red and blue might be colored green, like it randomly changes. So in order for um, someone who knows how to read to tell me the color that they see, not the word they can read, it requires a left right brain hemisphere process. So that takes concentration. So that's the first round, just telling me the colors. Wow, that sounds pretty difficult. (laughs) It's not actually, it's super fun. I should I should have a screensaver that you can see. For sure. The second one is we ask you to put your right hand up when it's red, put your left hand up when it's blue, and put your hands together and clap when it's green. And the third round, we use the opposite leg. And then we jump when we clap. So within about seven minutes or less, what I've done is I've taken you through a process. So we set you up into the problem state the emotion that's bothering you. And I create three little circles on the floor. So this one circle is for setting you up in the state. 
then move you through the second circle, which is neutral, and then move you into the play zone, which is the third circle. And from there, we run this game. So by the end of the third round, what's happened is you're sweating. <laughs> You've probably laughed because it's funny and you're la you know, you're jumping around. So I've changed your heart rate, your respiration and your body temperature. So therefore I've changed your physiology and that emotion can no longer be connected because it doesn't match with it anymore. When this wow. is meant to be with this physiology, which means like, you know, like even if you look in the mirror and you've got a frown on your face, maybe your shoulders are dropped. Maybe they're a little bit rounded. Your heart rate lowers, your body temperature lowers, your um, heart rate slows. So it comes with that, right? If you look in the mirror and you smile, something else happens. So those things are connected. And now we know we just have to do the simple thing of changing the physiology and that neural pathway collapses. So it's I, super cool. Super, super cool. I love it. You basically break the cycle, right? They relate yeah. this emotion to these thoughts or something like that, huh? You just Yeah, and it's fun and it's easy and it and it lasts. It lasts. Damn. So that's cool. I could totally see how the, just those things could just change someone's life. You know, you change your mindset, their train of thought, you know. Totally, totally. Because, um, you know, negative, you know, we all, it's sort of the buzz, right? Neg negativity, um, you know, what are they talking about? Gratitude, what are they talking about? You know, meditation, why is everybody into yoga? Well, because it, it actually requires certain things to happen inside our body. And we recognize that our bodies are simply physiology. And that physiology is created through the thoughts and the words that we use to tell our story. So if we're always saying things are crappy, that things are, you know, use a few of those words, that's the physiology that we're creating. And I'll tell you something, this was pretty funny because my mom was sick a couple weeks ago. So for like three or four weeks, I was like doing a lot of extra, um, you know, care. And I kept saying to my husband, I'm pooped. Oh my gosh, I'm so pooped. I'm so pooped. And after about three days of that, I had diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> it's physically manifested. you know better. Stop that. <laughs> You know, but it took me that moment of, of going like, okay, I'm living the dream. <laughs> like, Get over it. You know, but it's true. You know, if you describe your life in that it's hard, your brain can't source what's easy because it's only purpose. The subconscious brain's only purpose is to keep us alive physiologically and to do exactly what we ask. And that will be something that will really clarify when I tell you my, my life-changing story. Yes. Um, yeah, why don't you go ahead and tell me about that, right? Because is that what inspired you to do what you do now? Yeah, totally. Totally. I needed to know why I survived. There was so many reasons why you don't survive, right? Even in, like, in our community or great, greater Vancouver, 
in the last week, um, a plane flipped in a river, which was exactly what happened to me. Oh and they, have, they still haven't found them, right? And, and mine happened just as the sun was going down. So it was black. So we were basically, we disappeared from the earth. Um, oh my God. And, and so there was no help to be had. You know, there's so, there were so many things that could have gone wrong, but then there were so many things that I made the right choices at the right time and it ended up saving my life. But within all that, it was really the neuroscience and um, having access. So maybe I'll just tell people what happened and then you'll, mm -hmm. you'll get it because, um, you know, what we have between our ears is the greatest processor ever created on this planet and we each have one and um you know they're estimating 17 terabytes of information and that's what they can tell now right it's not even they don't even have the capacity in science today to to make storage of that size right <laughs> <laughs> ain't that amazing we have a computer so powerful it could barely so understand powerful. itself sometimes <laughs> Yeah, and yet there's so there's things that are so simple that um, if we just followed the fundamentals, you know, like what when we learn to walk, you know, I always use this analogy where little kids are learning to walk. You know, you you get up, you hold on to someone's hand, you hang on to the 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 coffee table, you fall. You you get back up, you fall. You get back up, you fall. But it's a process, right? And pretty soon we start to walk, and we learn that the left foot goes before and the next foot goes and then there's a pattern to it. This simple process takes us to walking. Pretty soon we learn to run. And it's the same with learning about our minds. It's like, well, okay, well, so we'll learn to hold on to the coffee table when we begin. And then pretty soon we'll take that first step. And then pretty soon it's just like we've been doing it forever and we take it for granted. Right? So it's this simple stuff, but we have to recognize um, what we're doing and, and so that it becomes like learning to walk. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to tell you my story if that's okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I was 27 and, um, it was a perfect, beautiful, sunny day, which I know you have lots of them where you live. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, too many. <laughs> yeah. You know, when the sun, when the, when the wind is balmy, was that kind of day, perfect sunny day. And we'd been um, flying in a small plane and we'd actually popped into the US and went for lunch and you know, the waitress asked us, um, can I get you another beer? And we said, no, gotta fly. And um, flew back up into the sky and we were traveling with another small plane, just a, a day of scooting around. But it was time to go back to the airport, it was sundown. And I remember the other plane um, passed us, you know, they did the little, bye-bye and they passed between us and the sun going down and they turned into et you know that beautiful <laughs> silhouette that's and amazing thought, yeah it was one of the most beautiful things that i've um you know that i remember and at that point my pilot who was sitting in front of me just you know tandem um or I, i'm not sure if that's what you call it, but he was in front of me he told me that he wanted to go scoop down way below he pointed to a river that was below us and he wanted to scoop down and do what's called a touch and go which means that the amphibious plane so we had pontoons he would go down and he would just 
like skipping a rock a along the surface of, a, of the water. He would bounce off the surface of the water and then shoot back up into the sky before we headed back to the airport. So as that plane pummeled towards the earth, I didn't have a care in the world. <laughs> and then he didn't, he didn't realize he had left the landing gear down. Oh my God. And so when that, the pontoons hit the surface of the water, the plane flipped and it flipped from nose to tail and it flipped really fast. So, so fast that I saw him going under, I went to take a breath of air and my mouth filled with water. Oh my God. So it was instant. So upside down, um, the plane was um, totally immersed in water. It was spinning in the current. It was, the sun was now pretty much down. Um, it was black. It was cold. <laughs> The gasoline had poured over the back of my head, like out of the, the engine. Um, there was a lot of debris in the cabin, so it was bumping me, and it was confusing. I had, I had a life jacket on because I was in a small amphibious plane and my three-point harness, and all of those straps became tangled, oh and I couldn't God. seem to locate where I could disconnect my three-point point harness. There was just too much happening in the cabin, and it was, you know, I went from la, 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 to holy crap. <laughs> um, and I had a mouthful of water. And gravity's pulling you in the wrong direction. There's, lo there's lots of moving parts, right? So um, the first thing I decided, and I had been a lifeguard, thank goodness, I was very confident swimmer, very confident in the water. So I decided to swallow, to keep whatever little oxygen remained in my system, in my system. Because if you can imagine, you know, if you've ever snorkeled, you, you blow out, then you're done. <laughs> oh. So I swallowed the water, which was gasoline and Oh. And um, and then I tried um, very hard to get out, like pushing my feet off, like trying to find the, the three-point harness. And, you know, you could, I could feel it digging into my, my skin. And I couldn't, I, I, I was trapped, put it that way, I was trapped. And so I'm not sure how much time passed, like I, I, experienced Einstein's theory of relativity where time is really only um, relative to the observer. And I, I felt my body start to lose its oxygen. So if you've ever swum underwater as far as you could go and all the tingling that happens in your arms and your legs, you know that you got to come up. <laughs> right? <laughs> but I couldn't come up. Oh but that God. was happening to me. And so I thought, oh my God. I, do you think I'm going to die? And, um, and at that point, my life began to flash in front of my eyes, like millions and millions of images. And I felt myself separate from that whole experience. So not sure in psychology if it would be like a disassociation or a double association, or potentially I was actually dying and leaving my body like a lot of people that experience out-of-body sensations for near-death experience I have no way of defining that but I really do feel like I had a, a near-death experience oh my god um, so I was sort of not um, 
not so concerned. I was watching these billions of images, just like an old time ticker tape movie, going through from my birth all the way through to today. And then it moved beyond my death. So within my mind, I was able to visualize or I had the story unfold of what would happen over the next few days. Oh my and, God. Yeah. So I um, visualized that our local police um, force, RCMP, that two officers were walking through my parents' front yard and they walked up their big red brick steps and they knocked on the old wooden door. And my parents answered the door and I couldn't hear the conversation, but I could see their facial expressions change. Went from curiosity, like, why are you here? To, you know, you could see the, the dawning of knowledge to the expression of horror. And at that point, my mom, she collapsed to the floor <clears throat> and she put her hands over her head and she screamed. It's been like 30 years. It always gets me emotionally. You see those neural pathways. Um, she screamed so loud inside my head that it snapped me back into my reality that I was upside down drowning in a plane that had crashed and overturned in water. And I made a vow, I made a promise. I was not gonna do that to them. I was not gonna die. That I was getting out of the plane and I was getting out of it now. Dad, <coughs> you just gave me the chills. That's crazy, oh my yeah. God. Well, what's coming next is even crazier. So you, it's always very peaceful while that was happening until you snapped out of it. And it was, you know, I could feel my hair <clears throat> pulling through my eyelids, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't invested, put it that way. I felt there was no pain where I was yet. I think I was far enough gone that there was no, it was, um, it was peaceful. And I, I probably could have gone there if it wasn't for um, the pain that I would have caused other people. Wow. But once I made that choice, my brain, my subconscious brain took over. And what happened was all of those pictures that had flashed forward in time began to flash in reverse backward in time and then the images stopped and right in front of my mind's eye was the image from a, a movie a scene in a movie that I'd watched decades before I didn't know the name of the movies or the names of the actors or what the movie was about I never knew that for 25 years someone else finally told me what the movie was the scene was a commander that was training young pilots in a pool setting how to escape a plane that would crash and overturn in water. And it was this cage, this plane cockpit that was on this big slide and it would be thrown down the slide and when it hit the surface of the water, it would flip. And this commander was walking, not walking, yelling at these other other students these young pi pilots in training 
what they were supposed to do. He kept saying, this young man is going to die if he doesn't do this. This young man is going to die if he doesn't do this. This young man is going to die. And so I followed the script and I escaped the plane. Oh my God. So I'm here to tell you, (laughs) even in life's most dire circumstances, when you're out of breath, when you're out of time, we still have the ability to make choice. As long as we make the choice, as long as we don't say, I can't get out, it's not possible. It never. There's no way. All of that, I'm certain I would have died. But because I said I'm getting out, my brain sourced that information. It gave me the information I needed. You see, our brain doesn't recognize the difference between reality and fantasy. Everything we've ever experienced, real or imagined, becomes a source of learning. And it's there if we ask the right way. The Universe of Every Religion and None Written by Roderick Edwards, narrated by John Ashton Nickerson. Roderick Edwards is the author of books as varied as a fictional account of a person living in a deserted world to an autobiography about his adoption and reunion to this book about the universe. Find out more at RoderickE.com. Oh my God, you just blew my mind. <laughs> that was so deep. Oh my God. Because um yeah, I, I totally agree with you with um with you know the mind has a hard time telling with the reality or you know um, imaginary, you know, like the like the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard about that. Um well I haven't specifically, but you're a gamer. Oh yeah, you play video games. So, like, what's your heart rate like? Oh, like, are you sweating? True. Right? Like, what is you, What's the anticipation? Like, you're experiencing that as if it was real. Yeah, and then, um, wow, that that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was. You know, it was funny. I never told anybody for 25 years that that I had that experience. I don't know why. Um, but I tell my story now because I think people need to know, they need to know the power that they have and the power that they give away. More importantly, the power that they give away by hanging on to these old wounds, these old, um, you know, what we call self-limiting beliefs that believes I'm not powerful, that believes I'm not capable, that I'm not good enough. All of that crap is simply, you know, a useless, um, a useless little neural pathway that can be re-empowered, like turning on a switch. It's like, it, you know, you learn when you're a little kid to turn on a light switch and then we use that information to turn other things on. You know, when you walk into a dark room, you naturally, you feel for, those, for the light switch. Our brain has all this capacity 
to do things for us. And sometimes we take it for granted and other times we leave it on the table and we leave a lot on the table. Like I've heard up to 90%, 90% of what could be ours, we're leaving it on the table. And that's just like, wow, what a shame, right? Imagine what the world could be like if we were all in our power. Oh man, it'd be a lot different. (laughs) Yeah. If it was used for, you know, for good things. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) You know, there is the opposite of that, right? (laughs) And, and we see every day, you know, the horrible stuff happening in the world, you know, just, um, you know, they, they design new ways to kill people, you know, but it's, it's, it's genius how they do it. But if they would have used that power for good, I mean, exactly. Yeah. Human nature you know, is an interesting thing, but it, but it also is a choice, right? And, you know, our experience does create, you know, the reasons behind why we do things. But if we were able to have these skills when we were kids, when we were able to overcome them before they, you know, created bitterness, created, um, you know, hatred or, you know, whatever it might be, and if we if we could move the trajectory, just like you know a, a teeter totter, tip it tip it in the in a different direction, then you know everything anything is possible. Really, I think if if we were in our power, the power that we were given as a, a right, you know it it everyone has the capacity to engage the power of their mind. Um, you know, I think we'd be living in a different world. I love the way you think. And um, I could totally also see that for, you know, for therapy as, you know, even people that have been through trauma. Because yes. um, when you were talking about people that are always negative, um, I, I've met people myself that are like had a rough childhood. And as an adult, every day they're still complaining, oh, everybody hates me. Oh, I hate my job. Oh, this happened, that happened. But, you know, you try and tell them, hey, well, there's some positive things that have happened and you don't notice it. And they're like, God, that don't matter. This happened, that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know. So I'll give you an analogy. <laughs> if you. If you uh, oh, yeah. Because this, this is the filter, right? This is the um, Tetris, if you want to say. Um, so if we... For example, I'm searching for a red sports car on the internet. And then on the right-hand side of my screen, sports cars. In my email feed at the top, there's an advertisement from Ford or from Chrysler, whatever it might be. Um, You know, it's showing up on my Twitter feed. It's showing up on my Facebook page. It's showing up everywhere, right? Because they think that's what you're interested in. Well, the same thing's happening in our brain. So if we're searching for life is tough, our brain is only doing what we're asking. So it's going to show us every single way, just like that algorithm that's running on the internet, it's running inside our brain, telling us that we're right because we're, we, we are brilliant in, think of the manifestation in that, right? It's creating your ability to and to prove you right in everything. So when we change the filter through things like gratitude, through things like 
you know, consciously being grateful, we begin to change. It's like turning the dial on a radio station. We're turning it in bit by bit by changing the algorithm of our mind to focus on things that are pretty or that things that we are grateful for. So it moves away from the hard and redefines and re retunes us into a different algorithm. And once we're in that algorithm of being happier, we naturally have better relationships. We are more at ease in our life. We have less stress. We have less disease. We make more money. We get more promotions. We have better um, marriages. Our kids are happier. Like this thing blossoms. It's not just a one-time one thing. It is exponential. And these are the secrets. The secrets are is we choose our experience. We create our own experience. We draw from the world exactly what we ask. So if we're asking for hard, oh, that's easy. But if we're asking for effortless and ease, then that's just as easy. Wow. And we can change lives. We can change our life. We Simply. create. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. But even, you know, if you look at guys like Dr. Bernie Siegel back in the 70s, he was one of the first cancer oncology doctors who started self-help groups, you know, gather people who are going through, you know, you got stage four, or stage five diagnosis, give you the toe tag, you're done. Well, he's like, no, I don't believe that. He started, he started self-help groups and he um, recognized that they're called the um, exceptional 20 people that were able to change their mindset, people that were always angry. Life was like angry about everything. I'm just, I'm just a mad person, always irritated, always under the thumb of letting someone else control you. And truthfully, that's a choice as well. Um, but people that, you know, took control of their own health, even if they only perceived that they had control, Maybe they ate carrots. Maybe they made sure that they took vitamin C, but they made these small incremental choices that contributed to their well-being. These people survived. And this was this exceptional 20 was done over years, over demographics, over you know, age groups, over religions, over race. It didn't matter the out the outcome was always the same that you know their survival rate was exponentially greater than someone else who just remains in stress and um you know maybe doesn't participate in that type of uh, mental emotional change that's required a lot of times even you know a lifestyle change um you know if you're if you're eating a lot of processed foods, of course, then, you know, diet, diet plays a huge role in our well-being. But that's another story. <laughs> All the chemicals and stuff. Totally, totally. Eating things that we, you know, think are food, but our body doesn't know what to do with them. Yeah. And, it, and that is a, a whole, um, you know, industry, very com complicated and very, um, you know, 
really understanding the mind science that our, we, we operate on a pleasure reward system, right? Our brain feels good. Let give me more of that. And if, and if that is the, the amount of sugar, salt and fat that they've figured out is the perfect recipe for making the dopamine drop in your brain. So you become addicted to the Twinkie. Um, like it's huge marketing, right? It's huge, huge amount of dollars. They always say, um, the worse it is for you, the more they spend on marketing it. Hey, that's very right? true. Yeah. yeah. Like how often do you see like advertisements for broccoli? <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, if you see Beyonce advertising, I don't know, Taco Bell or, right? Like how much does she cost? Right. And um, so the more advertising dollars spent, the worse it is for your health. <laughs> the more they try and convince you that it's good for you or something, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a huge, a huge sort of awareness thing, right? Where you kind of go like, oh, you think I'm going to buy that? So funny, <laughs> you know? But anyway, there's all kinds of stuff like that that's going on in the world. And, um, you know, we have the capacity to know the difference. It's just that, you know, our brains want that reward. And, um, but we, we can get that reward in other ways. Basically, uh, um, we lie to ourselves, you know, we know what's good for us. We know what, we have an idea of what we have to do, right? We just have to do it. But we just make excuses most of the time and I'll get to it later. Oh, I don't really need that. And then you know, you're in a bad situation that you created yourself, you know, basically create your own reality. Yes, we totally do. I I totally believe that, Chewy. And and, uh, it's not, that's not my words that, you know, this is neuroscience. And um, we're only just learning more and more about it. But it really puts uh, us back in the driver's seat. Wow, I I love neuroscience. I, I don't I don't know a lot of it, but it is just so interesting. I mean, wow, it's very very cool. Man, you know a lot. You you put in a lot of work. <laughs> well, sorry, I'm a chatterbox. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love it. <laughs> don't give me a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so um, when you were in the accident, uh, when you saw the the days ahead with the officers talking to your family and then it it reversed. Do you believe just personal question, if you don't mind me asking, but do you believe in, um, in fate? You think you changed fate by deciding, you know, like if it was already laid out that, you know, you were going to pass away and that was going to happen. But by saying, Nope, I'm going to survive. You broke that, um, road and chose this road, you know? Yep. Yeah, I totally do. Like choices, choices defined by that, right? So out of any situation, we have at least two choices, right? And off of that, then there's so kind of like a tree branches coming off and then limbs coming off and then twigs coming off, whatever it might be. And leaves, you know, so think of even like a tree in, in leaf, lots and lots of choices, depending on which branch you take. Right? So even like a rocket ship is you know, heading to Mars or whatever is off course 90% of the time. It's all these micro changes that we have. So what they, what they define with choices is every choice that we make just changes the trajectory slightly. But if you think of just like 
even a quarter of a degree over a hundred million miles, that's a huge difference in where you're going, right? So it's the same with us. As soon as we make a choice, we change the trajectory of our life, right? And I, and I truly believe that, um, you know, I was given a second chance because I made the right choice. Like I made the choice to survive and I had enough ability to, um, you know, to make the actions that happened, um, you know, to, to get out. So sure there was, there was potential there that something else could have gone wrong. Like maybe, you know, if I was, my life jacket had really been wrapped around there too many times, who knows, but you know, the stars aligned after that point. And, but we have the ability all day long, right? We're making choices. And it might not be that you're upside down drowning in a plane, but we're still making choices, um, you know, of what we're doing in the next hour and what we're having for lunch and what we choose to wear when we get up in the morning. We're making all of these choices. And at the end of the day, they've actually created a trajectory into tomorrow. Wow. So, so there is that, you know, that those micro choices along all of our paths all day long that is moving us in a certain direction. And I always have, I had a mentor once say to me, you know, um, choices or even, you know, businesses, but he mostly considered um, opportunity are like buses. And I love Mexico, so I can really get the visual on this, you know, thousands of buses coming up, like every minute there's another bus, right? Mm -hmm. You're standing on the side of the road. And, um, you know, if you think of a choice is like a bus, and if you step on that bus, it's going somewhere, you know, maybe you have a chance to step off because once, you know, choice doesn't mean that you can't change your mind. But if you think about that, it's like, is this the best bus for me to get on? Is this the one that's going to take me on the gravy run? Is this the bus that's going to take me where I want to go? Does it have good brakes? Does it have blah, 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 blah? Is there seats or am I going to be standing in the aisle? <coughs> when you get on the bus, it's going somewhere. And choices are like that. And like I said, don't worry about necessarily unless it's a life or death situation, but you got to choose. There's a lot of people that sit on the road and all the buses go by and then they stop running at 2 a.m. <laughs> and oh, then I, you're there all night long, right? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, for the most part, most choices aren't life and death, but it's important that we choose even micro choices because this gives our brain the ability to know that when I make a choice, it doesn't have to be scary. If we're moving into the unknown, that's that trigger for that stress brain. But these taking these little trips on these buses and just getting off at the next stop, you know, knowing that, okay, I'm going to just try this out. I don't know if it's the right choice. So let me just even think about what it's going to be like, or I'm going to get on this bus, experience it, knowing that I'm going to step off 
at the next bus stop and then look around and see if I'm, if I like the view. I love that experience more, right? Yeah. Because that is the, that is the key is a lot of people, they wait. It's not good enough. It has to be perfect. Well, I tell you, perfect's overrated. <laughs> Nothing's perfect. It's never going to be perfect. Huh? Yeah. Like, um, exceptional, you know, great. But if it's good enough, go for it. Right. It's kind of like, um, you know, if you're going to be running the hundred, hundred yard dash and looking for that blue ribbon, you gotta, you gotta run when that, when that gun goes off, right? Don't think, <laughs> just do it. <laughs> just do it. There's some things that just require us to take action. And, and I, yeah, so. I love um, how you were saying about choices. You know, like when you said you were in the accident and you swallowed water mixed with gasoline and how you were saying, you know, if you spit it out, <clears throat> there goes oxygen, right? The last thing you had. In that moment, I don't know if I would swallow it or not. I think just that a reaction, I think I would have just spit it out. That would have been the end of me, you know? Or most people, uh, you know, I think just just that choice by itself helped a lot, you know, and and you were smart enough to realize it. Well, that was my experience, like my lifeguarding experience, right? So I'd gone oh. through all of those courses of, of life-saving and, you know, and had been a strong swimmer, you know, snorkeler, um, scuba diver. So I had that knowledge already in my head again of when you blow out... Like how much would it take for me to empty my mouth of water? And then, you know, you can just try it. Just breathe out fully. And then how long can you last without taking that next breath, right? It gets harder and harder and harder. Where if there's just that little bit of buffer in there, it might be just that, just that enough that gives you another five or 10 seconds before your body naturally wants to inhale. Because if I would pass out, my body would inhale. Right. So those little, those little secrets, you know, your, um, your autonomic system would have taken over. So passed out would have been a, a goner <laughs> or hit wow. your head and get knocked out. You're a goner. So, you know, there was, there was some, um, grace in there, but also, you know, within that, again, we draw on our past experience to make those choices that we believe are the best choice at the time. Wow. Um, I like to tell people, like, I always thought, you know, life is like a whole bunch of dots every decision you're making is connecting the dots. And at the end, that's when you see the whole picture. You know, That's what I always thought anyways. Yeah. And, and it, hopefully it's a beautiful picture. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That it's like, but if you know what the dots are going to look like before you complete them all, or if you reimagine what those dots will be, when it's completed even more powerful rather than just trusting that it's going to be okay 
right? Consciously, intentionally creating that vision of what it will be. And then your brain will naturally take you there. Like if you begin the process of creating that vision and, and when we talk about the science behind manifestation is that we create the physiology of that success inside our body. So what I mean by that is if I want to be a public speaker, well, why? Well, when it's, it's going to do a certain things for me, but then I have to imagine myself on stage. I have to imagine like, how big is this auditorium? How many people are out there? What is the response of the crowd? What is it doing to me inside my body? Am I excited? Am I passionate? Am I in love? Am I sharing? What, what is the physiology inside my body for that vision? You know, so if you, for example, I ask you to, um, I call it the rainbow effect. Think of pure love. Well, I can make that happen inside my body if I remember holding my granddaughter for the first time. Oh, wow. So I go back to that vision and I'm there, right? The awe of picking up this brand new little universe. And I can feel that inside my body, right? That makes the dopamine drop. That makes the serotonin, the oxytocin, the whole chemical flush of love become fully expressed inside my body. And our brain loves that. Our brain loves that feeling of love, of joy, of, you know, commitment, of caring. So when we think of something that we want and a dream for ourselves, we need to create that physiology inside our body, what it will be like when we get there. And then our brain just like it drives us to the grocery store for that favorite bag of potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> You'll get in the car, even though you're home and in your jammies. Right. right? You'll get Midnight. back in the car because you want it. That's so your brain is driving you because it wants that dopamine. Right? So what if we were to do that with our greatest dreams? Well, your brain wow. does the same thing, right? It gets you in the car. It makes you make those five calls. It makes you introduce yourself to more people, set up the interview. It does all that because it's, it's like getting you in the car to drive to get the bag of potato chips. It's the same process. It wants more of what that experience was. So we intentionally do that. And that's the mind science behind manifestation it's not it's not unintentional it has to be done in a very specific way but there's there's some gems in there oh my god <laughs> you know i always wondered how that manifestation worked you know like you imagine it first and then it happens and uh, that makes so much sense. That was a great an analogy. You know, you, you want that bag of chips, you, you drive over there, but, you know, just think a bigger goal and wow, that, that's yeah. amazing. Because isn't it true? Like you can mm -hmm. be sitting on the couch watching TV 
you get in your slippers or in your leisure pants, whatever you want to call it, and you get the craving. And you're like, you ask three friends. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or you, you, know, you get dressed, you put your coat on, doesn't matter if it's raining, you get in the car, you drive seven miles to the local, local store, get the chips in the car, open them right away. (laughs) It's the same process, right? You just, you want something different. You want the success. You want the achievement. You want the dream. But you can see it at work in your brain every single day. Yeah. And and, uh, the closer you get to the goal, I could imagine, you know, more of that dopamine dropping yeah. And to celebrate the micro wins, it's important that you keep rewarding the brain for every little milestone, right? Not just to wait till someday in the future, because the brain doesn't understand future, it understands now. Um, so we got to keep it in the language that we use. We're talking about that it's happening right now. We're not putting it into tomorrow. Um Wow. So there, there's more information there that um, people will need to, to know. <laughs> wow. You just blew me away. The, wow. You like that? that? Is, yeah, I love that. that. Yeah. That makes so much sense how everybody says now, do it right now or start today. Yeah. You know, because like you said, the brain don't understand the future. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, the, so that's the thing about tomorrow, right? That's when the try word comes in. Maybe tomorrow, rep my New Year's resolution. When I'm, when I'm 40, I'll do this. You know, when I'm older, when I'm married, when I have kids. And all of that stuff puts our lives on hold. And people do that a lot for, um, you know, using the word search or looking for. I'm searching for happiness. Well, the thing is, happiness isn't a search. Happiness is inside us. It's a chemical reaction that happens based on our attitude and our mindset. So we can create it instantly. Wow. So, so you know, you search for your car keys. <laughs> you don't search for happiness. <laughs> Which is really important, you know? <laughs> yeah. Because how many times have you lost your keys? <laughs> right? Happens to me the all TV? the time. <laughs> Right, so we have to use the right language um, for our brain to recognize what it is that we're actually asking it for. And um, when it's searching for something, it's like, well, you better give me more information. Otherwise, it's kind of like, is this um, one of those treasure hunts where I'm going to get clues? (laughs) You know, it's like going on a treasure hunt without the map. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, you know used to get in the car and do those one, those fun things, right? Little events and you say, okay, here's a treasure map. But imagine that. Imagine, um, you know, a treasure hunt for happiness, but nobody's giving you the map. <laughs> right? And then wow. your brain doesn't know what to do with it. So it's all these fun, funny little, you know, if you can visualize it, then it, it makes us easier to, easier to understand when we have a metaphor, when we tell a story that the concepts aren't dif- difficult. It's just sometimes it hasn't been, um, you know, shown to us in a way that we can easily grasp. 
and, and a story and a metaphor. And we see them in every, every single movie has them. What are they trying to tell us? What are they trying to install in our brain? Uh, but then we start to, to recognize all the metaphors, you know, like I always say to my grandkids, um, doing something wrong. Well, what would Optimus Prime do? <laughs> you don't right. have to listen to grandma, but certainly you listen to Optimus Prime or, you know, <laughs> what would Ryder do? <laughs> and, you know, Paw Patrol. You can use these metaphors and without saying anything, they know that, oh, that I better make a good choice here. <laughs> <laughs> I want to save the world and save my pants. <laughs> so, you know, we can, we can bypass a lot of the resistance by, you know, engaging our brain in these fun, without really even saying anything, you know. Like, what time do you have to be home? Well, you already know that. I don't have to tell you that. And they're like, oh, all right. I, I was I was hoping to argue. <laughs> <laughs> Very uh, true. Yeah. So there's um, mind science is amazing. NLP is amazing. Um, you know, anybody who's interested in learning more about NLP, I'm obviously passionate and and um, more than willing to share. Oh man, I love that kind of stuff. And oh, um, you know, thank you very much for coming on. I mean. I, I could talk about this all day. Oh my God. I'm so mind blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could sit here and listen to you all day. Like Aww. this is amazing. Well, thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. I love um, just sharing, um, you know, if it changes somebody's, you know, perspective, have, has them reach out then, then that is uh, a gift right there. You know, like, like I said, people aren't meant to suffer and there is the ability to change what's happening in your life today. I, I, I definitely see you changing lives, saving lives. I mean, you, you're very good at what you do. <laughs> Aw, thank you. And uh, where can people find you? Yeah. So I do have a podcast as well. It's called Mind Your Freedom and you can find it on Apple and Stitcher and all of those um, great platforms. I'm on Facebook under Adele Anderson, Your Destiny Coach. I have a website called Life Coach Adele. My email is yes at lifecoachadele.com. And you can text me 604-885-8236. If you have a quick question, you can pop onto my website. There's a free 15 minute uh, Zoom call that you can have with me to just uh, make the introduction and, you know, ask me that burning question and see where that goes. Amazing. I love that you're doing that as well. I mean, if anybody wants to reach out, you know, yeah, wow. Absolutely. Wow. And I, I will definitely have to subscribe and check out your podcast as well. Thank I you. Mean, and I suggest anybody listening, watching, go ahead, subscribe, share. I mean, if you like what you heard right now, I'm pretty sure your podcast will blow my mind again. <laughs> just, <laughs> just wow. Amazing. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, I enjoyed being here. So thanks again. Yep. Thank you for coming on and uh, you have a great day. Yeah, you too. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye.
everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you'd like to support this podcast, you can find me at anchor.fm slash screamingchewygmail.com. There'll be three options for a monthly subscription. First one, I believe, starts at a dollar a month, yo. Yeah, dollar a month. Yeah, and if you don't want to, that's cool. You can follow me on Facebook and YouTube, Screaming Chewy Show, for some memes, some more videos for episodes, and behind-the-scenes kind of deal, right? You can follow me on Twitter, uh, Screaming Chewy. Yeah, not Screaming Chewy Show. I should probably change it. But it's just Screaming Chewy. And uh, thanks for listening. Peace.